Well, if you want to turn to Proverbs 4, I'm going to read Proverbs 4, verses 20 to 27. My son, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Well, we've been going through Proverbs, I don't know how long now, but quite a while. So I'm not going to try and actually sum up all the messages so far. But I will give a review of the last message because I'm just going to continue on with the message of guard your wisdom means guarding your heart. And so in the last message we we talked about how wisdom is not mainly concerned with outward actions because God's not mainly concerned with outward actions. God is mainly concerned about our heart. We, t- we talked about the verse in Proverbs that says, Who can say I have made my heart pure? I am clean from all my sin. So we talked about how it's a given today that there's no one here with a, that can say, Yeah, I've made my heart pure. My heart's free from sin. We can't say it. And we can't clean our own heart. We've got to have God clean our heart. We've got to have a new heart. And we talked about the response being repentance and and belief, repentance and faith. So in many ways, we just began to talk about the biblical reality of what God says about our hearts. And in a lot of ways, it was to non-Christians. And in some ways, it was to Christians. When we see sin in our heart, the same response is what we need, whether we're Christians or non-Christians. Repent of what we see is wrong and trust God. Whether you've been a Christian for 50 years or whether you've never trusted Jesus and this is the first time, it's repent, turn to God, like John said, from idols. And so today... We're going to talk more to Christians. What does it mean to guard your heart? How do I guard my heart? What is the heart according to the Bible? So let's start there. What is the heart according to the Bible? Well, the heart is different than what we talk about as the heart in uh, you know, 21st century America. And I'll give you a verse here. To give you an example from Proverbs. Well, it's just the verses we just read is a good example. 421. 421 says, 
Let them not, he's talking about the words of God, escape from your sight, keep them within your heart. So he's talking about how the heart can know things. The heart can know things. So that's the first thing the heart does in the Bible. It knows things. It's your understanding. And it doesn't really come across in a lot of ways because even the translators will change the word heart to something else because it wouldn't make sense to our 21st century year. And I'll give you an example of that. In, in Proverbs 10, 13, I'll just read it to you. On the lips of him who has understanding, wisdom is found, but a rod is for the back of him who lacks sense. And it doesn't say sense, it says lacks heart. So it's contrasting, here's somebody who has understanding, here's somebody who doesn't, and it says they don't have a heart, they lack heart. Well, that doesn't make any sense to us, because in our minds, we don't think about your heart as knowing things and understanding things. But that's what the, Bible, the biblical writers are talking about when they talk about your heart knows, your heart understands. I'll give you one more verse on that from Proverbs. An intelligent heart acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. So it's talking about a heart that acquires knowledge. Now we always talk about the heart in terms of emotions, but it's so much more in the Bible. And the definition we talked about last time was that the heart is your whole inner life. Everything you can do when you're lying on the couch and your eyes are closed, and as far as the outward world can see, you're asleep. All the things you can do, that's your heart. You can think. You can know things. You can delight in something. You can desire something. You can depend on something. You can feel things. All these things are going on without anyone seeing other than God, what's going on in your heart. And that is the bi- biblical definition of the heart. So you first you know, and then the second thing is you delight in things. Jeremiah fifteen sixteen says, Your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. So your heart not only can know things, your heart delights in things. Another Proverbs five twelve says that my heart despised reproof. So it's kind of the despise is basically the opposite of delight. You delight in something and you despise the other thing. You don't like this thing. And so your heart is doing that all the time. It's delighting in things. It's despising things. It's you know things. What else? You desire things in your heart. Psalm 37.4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. You want things. Wow, I, not only do you delight in something, you can desire something. I can walk down the street and, and delight in something and not desire it, right? My, my daughter, she sees a dandelion and she wants to pick every one she sees, right? <laughs> so she delights, but then she also desires. Well, I don't have to pick every flower that I delight in, right? You see the difference between delighting and desiring? Uh, you can, there's a subtle difference, but... Your heart does them both. And I'll give you another verse from Proverbs. Do not desire her beauty in your heart. Do not let her capture you with her eyelashes. So he's talking about an adulterous woman. You see her walking down the street and he's warning his son, don't delight, don't, don't desire 
this uh, lady in your heart. You need to guard your heart. Well, so I'm hitting a lot of points here, uh, but I'm just, this is just to set the stage so we can talk about how do we guard our hearts. So we have to know what our heart is if we want to guard it, right? Not only does our heart know, delight, despise, desire, a lot of these are D's, uh, it devises. So 6.18 says, Proverbs 6.18, one of the seven things God hates is a heart that devises wicked plans. So in your heart, you're planning things, right? You can lay on your couch with your eyes closed and it looks like you're asleep and you're actually making a plan. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And it can be good or it could be evil. You know, the, there's a verse that I really like in Proverbs 14. Says, uh, it says that we ought to devise good and not evil. And those who devise good meet steadfast love. And those who devise evil uh, come to destruction. Something that's a paraphrase. But we ought to be devising good things, planning good for people planning how to do good. Next, we depend on things. Proverbs 3, 5. Most of you probably know this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So not only does your heart do all these other things we've talked about, your heart is actually depending on something. You're resting in something. You're trusting something. That seems obvious. And in a lot of ways, John was talking about that already. This is somewhat of a review of what John was talking about in terms of idols. People depend on something. They get to where uh, their things are what they're depending on. And then the last thing your heart does is the thing we already all know. It feels things. We have emotions. And that's also part of our heart, according to the Bible. But it's not the only part. Proverbs 15 13 says, a glad heart makes a cheerful face, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is crushed. Okay, why do we go into all that? Kind of a lot, somewhat probably overwhelming. The reason is, the main verse I'm looking at today is this verse from chapter 4, verse 23. Keep your heart, or guard your heart, with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. So, I'll give you my three points here. What is the verse saying? Do I believe it? And how do I apply it? So, to know how to apply it, and to know whether we believe it, we have to know what it's saying first. And so, when it says the heart, we have to know what it means. What is this verse saying? Guard your heart. What does that mean? Does that just mean guard my emotions? Not according to the Bible, right? It's talking about your thoughts, the things you know, your delights, your desires, the things you plan, the things you're depending on. All that is combined in your heart, your whole inner life. And so that's what it's saying we need to guard. We need to guard our heart. We need to guard the truth in our mind. We need to guard our delights. We need to guard our desires. We need to guard what we're trusting in today. We need to guard our emotions we need to guard the things we're planning, the things we, in our mind. You're using your imagination to run through scenarios. Do you let your mind run wherever you want, or is, are you guarding it? 
Now, what is the verse saying? That's the first point. What does it say? Well, it says guard. What does it mean by guard? Well, the word guard could be guard, or it could be keep, or it could be watch. Spurgeon says that the Hebrew for eyelid is keeper of the eye. It's, it's the root from the eyelid keeps the eye. And so, just like that, you're supposed to be doing just what your eyelid does for your eye. You're supposed to be doing that with your heart. Here comes something. It's coming towards your eye. What should you do? You close your eye so it doesn't get in there, right? There's a piece of dust, right? It gets stuck to your eye and you just blink until you can get it out. It's trying to keep something external from getting in and harming the eye. A shepherd a keeper is a keeper of the sheep. They keep the sheep. They're there all the time, whether things are going well or whether things something bad is happening. The shepherd is right there, ready to intervene, ready to protect, ready to feed. And that's what we have to do with our heart, don't we? We're the shepherd of our own heart in a lot of ways. We have to feed it good things. We have to protect it when there's danger from the outside. And we have to watch it, don't we? And it's not something, if you're a, sh- a keeper of the sheep, it's not something you do from a distance or you do without attention to the sheep. You have to give attention to it to be guarding it, to be watching it, to be keeping it. You remember in Samuel where they go off to Ziklag after their wives are taken and David leaves some guys behind and they're the keepers of the baggage. Remember that? They're the keepers of the bag. Here's all our stuff. You're going to be the keeper. What does that guy do? If somebody's walking up, does he just let them start rummaging through the baggage? No. He's going to stop them. It's his job. I'm keeping this baggage. This is my responsibility, and I'm going to protect it. And it's not for anyone to walk up and start rummaging through. He's going to pull out his sword and say, don't touch this baggage. (laughs) What about us? Right? Do you think about your heart as something you're guarding? And actually, uh, there's a lot of. I'm just going to say it very simply. One of the other versions says, above all else, guard your heart. It's the idea of this is your priority. This is the first thing you need to do is to guard your heart. What, what are we going to guard above all else? The Bible says it should be our heart, our inner man. Last thing, we need to know what it's saying to understand whether we believe it or how to apply it is this phrase, the springs of life. Why do we guard our heart? For out of it flow the springs of life. And there's two ways that the commentaries that uh, John Mark let me, there's, they had different opinions on it. But we can apply it the same either way. The first is that it means from out of your heart flows the direction of the rest of your life, which is true biblically, right? That's what Jesus said. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's in our heart? It's going to come out in our actions and what we say and what we do. So we guard the heart because it's a trajectory for our life. 
The other way is taking life in more of a spiritual sense, like spiritual life, real life, full life. We can live and not live, right? You can uh, lay on your couch all day watching TV, but that's not really living, right? You, you and I know that. When we say live, we're talking about a full life, really living, abundant life. Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it to the full. And so some of the commentators think that it's talking about more spiritual vitality. It's this, the idea of a life fully lived. And so if you want to really live a full life, you want to have spiritual life, you want to live life the way it's meant to be lived, then you've got to guard your heart because that's where it starts. It starts inward. It's not outward. Now, that's all just... That was the hard part. (laughs) Because... I hope I didn't lose you. I'm trying to just set up what this verse means, each phrase of this verse, so we can ask ourselves, do I believe it? So now, if I've lost you, and if you're wondering how long this is going on, okay, tune back in. Here's my question to you. Do you believe it? Okay? Do you believe it? I'll give you an example. Ready? You're getting ready to get in the car, and you're going to go on a three-hour drive, and you've got little kids... What's your priority? You get in the car. Maybe you even say a prayer when you get in the car and go on a drive. What do you pray? God, help us to get there and help us to not take too long at the gas stations. (laughs) Right? That's really in our heart what we think the priority is. It's like, my mission is to get from here to there in as little time as possible with as few tears as I can. And when we get to the gas station, what's my goal? You don't take too long, you know, don't pick up anything, and uh, get out, get in and out. Well, that just shows I don't really believe what this verse is saying, right? That the verse is actually saying, my priority when I get in the car and I'm going to go on a three-hour drive is, Lord, please guard my heart from being impatient. Lord, please guard my heart from getting frustrated whenever there's a highway closed. Lord, please help me to delight in you as I drive down the road. Lord, I want to desire the things you desire. I want to depend on you, not on my ability to, or not on my GPS to get me there. Lord, help me to have right emotions. It gives you a totally different feel Right? There's two trajectories there. When you get in the car and your aim and your purpose and your goal is to guard the every minute that you are on the road and get there in as short a time as possible, what happens when the GPS takes you the wrong direction? Right? Your heart, you get upset. And then what? We've missed the most important thing, which is our heart. We want to depend on God. We want to delight in God. We want to Trust God. We want our emotions to be in line with reality, not with some plan that we made. And it's not just when you get in the car, right? You've got a bank account, right? Uh, Most of you. And there's money in your bank account. What are you guarding? What's your top priority? Is it to guard your heart or to guard your money? With Above all else, with all vigilance, guard 
your heart, right? And so it's not, look, make sure you look through all your credit card charges, make sure that everything matches up, make sure everything lines up perfectly, make sure that you don't spend too much on this, too much, too little there, get the best deal on this. No, our priority is our heart. God, maybe I should not check my bank account. Maybe I should trust you with some of this stuff and trust you if they overcharge me however much. Trust you if they give you an extra fee and just guard my heart. Maybe, maybe you even do something like you intentionally give away money because you're worried that it's getting too much of a hold on your heart and you think, you know what, Lord? I feel really hesitant to give. It's, my money's getting too big a hold on my heart. I'm guarding it more than I'm guarding my delight in you, my desire to follow you. I'm depending on it more than I depend on you. And so you intentionally say, Lord, I want to be intentionally generous here as a way to guard my heart. To say, to remind myself, this is not the thing I'm depending on. This is not the be-all, end-all. This is not what I'm guarding. I'm guarding my heart. And one of the ways I can do it is giving away the money that's trying to take away some of my dependence on God. Well, we could just go on with examples, couldn't we? People, after the fall, are idol factories, right? If we can find something, you know, Maybe this next thing will be the big thing. Maybe this next thing. Think about your possessions, your task at work. It's actually pretty freeing if you really begin to think like this. It was, it's been helpful to me just thinking about it in the past couple of weeks. And the reason is this. You have a ta- let's, let's use ta- a task at work. You have a task at work. If your main objective is, I'm going to get this task done, it's, it can be frustrating. There's things that get in your way. Things don't go right. But if we remember, listen, my priority is my heart. Lord, help me to delight in you as I do this. Help me to lean on you and depend on you. That gives you a totally different sense when something goes wrong. Your first reaction isn't, oh no, my goal is being damaged. Your first reaction is, oh, this is, an, this is an opportunity to trust in the Lord. This is an opportunity. This is what I was praying about before it happened. I was praying, Lord, help guard my heart. Help me to trust you. I was thinking about it, preparing this sermon. What's my goal in preparing this sermon? What's my priority? Is my priority to preach something and people say, hey, that was a good sermon? That, if that's the case, then I'm going to be in big trouble. <laughs> right? Because, one, I'm not going to be helpful to you. That's not going to be helpful. Two, it's going to be crushing to me. But if I remember, Lord... Guard my heart. Lord, guard me from feeling either cast down or lifted up. Just help me to depend on you. I want to delight in you. I want to desire you. I want to, I want to plan good and not evil. 
Lord, I want to know, I want to know truth in my mind and in my, in my heart. Help me. That's freeing. Because those are things that I can control in a, lot of, in a lot of ways by the grace of God. But I can't control your response. I can't even control in a lot of ways how good my sermon is. You know, I do my best, but God has given me certain gifts and abilities and, and I can't go beyond, beyond that. So I can trust the Lord. Well, let me pick on one more thing before we move on to the last point. And I pick on this a lot, but I actually do it intentionally because of the culture we live in, and that's entertainment. I know I pick on entertainment a lot, but we live in an entertainment culture. And many people, think about what the heart does. It knows, it delights, it desires, it depends. There are many people have their heart and it's depending. It's deli- the thing it's delighting in. And the thing that uh, takes up its energy, its thoughts, is entertainment. Imagine if you had to turn your phone off for 48 hours. How many times would you reach for that? How many times would you feel anxious? Like, wow, I really want to turn my phone back on. I really just want to look something up or listen to something or to watch something. Or maybe it's movies or TV, I don't know. But we are so saturated with things coming in that entertain our minds that we can really become dependent and addicted to it. And we desire it. We've got to guard our hearts. We really have to guard our hearts because we want to depend on God. When you get home from a hard day's work, you know, you can find comfort in God. God can comfort you. The Bible, I mean, David talks about that in the Psalms, that God is our refuge. He doesn't say entertainment's our refuge. He says God is our refuge. And it's scary. When Jess and I, uh, we got rid of our TV, what, I guess early on in our marriage, we didn't have a TV, but we had internet. Then we didn't have internet. And I had a desire, a strong desire in my heart in the evenings. I really want to watch something right now. I really want to just sit on the couch. And it was, it was not good. It had, to, it had a hold on my heart. Well, do I believe it? That was the second point. We just went through it. A lot of times we know it in our mind. We, we understand what the verse is saying. But then when we get in a situation, we really don't believe it. Right? We know that we should guard our heart and we end up guarding our bank account or we end up guarding our time or our, our, our comfort, whatever it is. So then how do we apply this? How do we apply it? Well, first, one thing you have to know to apply this is that this whole section is Im- implying your heart is already right. This is speaking in a lot of ways to Christians. If you have a poisoned well, you don't guard that well, Right? You don't have to guard it from being poisoned. It's already poisoned. There's not good water there. Uh, look at these verses with me so you can see this for yourself. Chapter 4 that we just read, 4, 20 to 27. Keep your heart, for from it flow the springs of life. That's 23. Keep going. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. 
Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot from evil. So in all these things, it's assuming you're on the right path. It's assuming your heart is something that's right, that should be guarded. It doesn't say change your heart. It doesn't say make a new heart. It says guard the heart you already have, which, if we're Christians, is a new heart, is a good heart. We do know truth, and we do delight in God, and we do desire to know Him more, and we do depend on Him above all else, and we do... uh, rejoice our emotions rejoice most in Jesus Christ and that's the reality of the new heart and we have to guard it from outside influences coming in right and if you're on a path and you're on the wrong path the exam- the instruction is not don't turn to the right or to the left it's turn around and go the other do- other direction but it doesn't say that it says you're on the- it assumes you're on the right path and it says don't turn to the right don't turn to the left And so this is, once we're Christians, once we have this new heart, once our path is we want to follow Jesus, we want to delight in Jesus, the instruction is guard, guard that. I'm not going to go into regeneration, and we've talked about that a lot, so you might just re-listen to other sermons if you're not clear on what I'm talking about. The new heart, every Christian has a new heart, we have a good heart. Um, The Christian's not looking for new life. It's guarding, they're guarding the life they already have, right? You've got new life, now guard it. You've got a new heart, now guard it. You've got new desires, now guard them. You've got new delights, now guard them. Your emotions in many ways have been changed. You're rejoicing in God now, guard that. Don't let things come in. Something's coming, close your eye, you know, just like the eyelid. Something's coming towards the sheep. Stop it. Guard, protect them. Stand in, stand in the gap. The Christian has the new life. Where? In Christ, right? We have the new life. It's, our, it's in Christ. We've already been given it. He died for it. He purchased the new heart. He washed it with his blood. And so we, our job, what he's asking us to do is guard that. Don't let sin reign in your body. Don't let it rain. And how? This text only has really one point on how to guard it. You could, we could say a lot of things on how do we guard it. What's one practical way? What do I do? How do I apply this? Well, look, look with me in the verses, what he says right before. All the commentators agreed that 23 is not one of the Proverbs where it's just one verse, all isolated. They said this whole section is one section, 20 to 27, as one message. And it's not isolated. It's leading up to it. And so look at this. Look at 21 and how it connects. 20, 21, and 22. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. You see the connection there? He's saying, here's this heart that you have. What should be in there? He says, the word of God, right? His words, the words specifically of the writer of Proverbs, but also the word of God. 
And then what? There'll be life. There'll be life-giving. Hide them in your heart. So that's the one point, really one practical point I want to make to you is how do you guard your heart? You guard it with the Word of God. You guard it. That's the main way you guard it is by truth from the Word of God, by your delights being refined by the Word of God, by your desires being shaped by the Word of God, by your trust being shaped by the Word of God, by your emotions being shaped by the Word of God. These things are the most practical way and the one thing that this specific passage says is in terms of instructions on guarding your heart. So, I'll just give you a few. Think about, place yourself, as you read the scripture, place yourself in the story, okay? Imagine yourself. Here, here are the Israelites. They just were taken out of Egypt. God split the Red Sea, and you walked out on dry ground, and there you are in the desert, and God's guiding you by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And then what happens? They don't guard their heart, right? And what? They start grumbling, complaining against God. They start desiring to go back to Egypt and they say things like, I wish that we, I wish that we would be back in Egypt and be eating those onions again and back in slavery. So put yourself in the story. That's one way you can guard your heart. I mean, think about it. So I know there are people here today Think about yourself as you're walking through life in redemptive history. Say, I'm going through a difficult time. I'm in the wilderness right now. I'm in the wilderness. And what, what should I do? Don't let, don't let your heart be poisoned by bad thoughts about God. And you start doubting Him. You start questioning Him. You start testing Him. Because that's what they did in the wilderness, Right? So you place yourself in the story and you say, I don't want to do what they did. Or I do want to do what they did, like Joshua. You know, Joshua and Caleb, they trusted God. They depended on God. And when they saw the giants, you know, in the promised land, they didn't doubt. They believed. They trusted. So that's one way. But maybe you're not necessarily in the wilderness and maybe you don't need to guard your heart in terms of placing yourself in the story there, maybe you're in the promised land. Maybe you have external ease and comfort and you need to guard your heart in that way. Remember what God says in Deuteronomy to them? He specifically tells them as they come into the promised land to guard their heart. He says, And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that He swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great goods and cities that you did not build and houses full of good things that you did not fill and cisterns that you did not dig and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, take care lest you forget the Lord. Well, maybe that's, maybe that's where you need to put yourself. Maybe you need to say, we probably all in many ways are there. We've got air-conditioned houses and cars that start up just like that, and we can put our foot on the gas and get where we're going. Guard our heart, not to get so comfortable that we forget God. So, the Word of God, be attentive to it. Place yourself in the story. Think about yourself. You get up in the morning, think about yourself, where you're at. 
and place yourself in the story as you read place yourself in the redemptive history as you go through your day not only that you can apply the truth right apply the truth you know the bible is not just stories right we're not just placing ourselves in the story there's also truth that we can apply to our lives think about some of these just some of these truths i've been listening to this song it talks about being a child of god and it's really encouraging just think about that one thing that if you're a Christian, you're covered by the blood of Christ, that you're a child of God. Think about how that would guard your heart. If you, if you, in the morning, ask God to write that on your heart, God, remind me that I'm, I'm your child, that you really do love me. You really do want, want what's best for me. Remind yourself of the sufficiency of Christ. There's so, remind yourself of the gospel. Remind yourself of who God is. Remind yourself that he's trustworthy. There's a million verses you could apply, but you need to guard your heart with the truth. Well, two more things and then we'll close. Your delights. One of the big things that I've taken from this that I don't normally, I do not normally wake up in the morning and think, I really need to guard my delights today. I really need to make sure and delight in things today. I'm usually a, um, what would you call it? A goal-oriented person. So I'm going to get, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to get this done. That's usually my natural tendency is to be a goal-oriented person. But after reading this verse, trying to apply it to my own life, I realize it is really, really, really important for me to wake up in the morning and to de- intentionally guard my delights and to say, God, help me to delight today in you. Help me to walk outside and look up at the sky and delight in what you've made and through that delight in you. God, help me. I mean, the Proverbs says, re- I'll give you another verse in Proverbs about delight. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. And then there's more, but I'm going to skip that for now. Um, But intentionally say, I don't want to just go through the day today, go through the motions today, and be so focused on all my tasks that I don't delight in what I'm doing, I don't delight in the people around me, and I don't delight in God and the things that he's made. He's asking us to do that. That's not something that I do naturally, but it's been really helpful to me because it matters to God. It's, it's extremely helpful through the day. I mean, and a- as you read the scriptures, this will come out because God is asking you and commanding you to do this. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. What does that mean? It means we ought to be praising God every day. He even says there, Every day I will bless you. Every day I will praise your name. It's something that we need to do is to guard our hearts from all the things around going on and say, God, I do delight in you and help me not to get that get choked out by my tasks today or by my worries today or by the things I have to do with my kids today. I want to delight in you. Help me. George Mueller said, the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day is... Now think of how you would finish that. 
You wake up in the morning. Think about your natural tendency. The first great and primary business I have to attend today is to have my soul happy in the Lord. Think about that. He's, he had it. He had, he didn't, maybe he was thinking about this verse. Maybe he wasn't. But that's gr- a great uh, quote in terms of applying this verse. Because all these things the heart does, the heart is supposed to be focused on God. We know that as Christians. You knew when we talked about knowing and delighting and desiring and depending. All those things should be Godward. We should be depending, delighting, desiring God, knowing Him. And that's what he, George Mueller said, he knew his primary goal was every day. I'm going to wake up, I'm going to delight in God, I'm going to get down, I'm going to read the Bible, I'm going to pray until I'm delighting in God. That's a different day. And he said that with, you know, 12,000 orphans to feed. That's pretty amazing. So, to in conclusion, what's your primary duty today? It's heartward, right? It's Godward. We want to delight, know, desire, depend on God. As we do that, our emotions will follow. Don't believe the lie that your main duty today is to get something done. Or that God is mainly pleased when you get something done. God looks at the heart. And don't fall into the lie that the external things, that's your main guard today, that you need to guard those things. It's not. Even above, think about this, even above guarding your kids, think about that. You need to guard your heart. Why? Because if you guard your heart, you're going to be able to shepherd your kids well. Let's pray. Lord, I felt like, well, we never do justice to your word, Lord. It's so good and there's so much there. I pray that anything good and right that I said, people would remember it and anything that wasn't helpful, people would forget it. Lord, please help us to have the reality. We want to delight in you more and more and more. We want to trust you more and more. We want to know you more. Lord, please help us. We need you. I pray you'd help in the fellowship time. And we just hand all these things to you. Amen.